Are you all ready for the word? Yes, Tonight, I'm, I'm going to read a scripture before I get started because I have the sneaky feeling that my sermon title is not very um, sexy. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it's not, if I, if I gave my sermon title and I made tapes or CDs and put them on a table, nobody would buy it. And I'm talking about doctrine, church doctrine. And one of the reasons that I'm doing this is, um, is I want to read a scripture to you. It's not going to pop on the overhead, but, but Paul is writing to the book of Romans and he makes this statement. He says, um, it says, do you not, do you not know that whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are slaves to whom you obey. No, that's not it. Is it six, 16? Yeah, 17. Thanks be to God, though you, though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which you were delivered. Doctrine will free you. Everybody has a doctrine. Everybody has belief systems. One of the things that I started noticing, if, if you're, if you, you know, this is very hard for you to grasp, but, but we're not a denominational church. This right here in this room, we have Catholics, Episcopalians, Baptists, uh, heathen, um, Pentecostals. And what you don't understand is that you came in with a lot of stuff and, and I'm going to tell you that most people, and I don't say this to be, to, to be ugly, most people in this nation couldn't tell you, couldn't, couldn't give you five scriptures to show what their church believes. They don't have any, they don't know. They don't know. And, and it used to be, if you were a Methodist, everybody knew, you know, who you were, who you were. I'm Methodist, you know, we believe in having methods. So um, if you were Pentecostal, everybody knew that you didn't wear makeup and that you wore ugly dresses, and you spoke in tongues, and ran aisles, and jumped pews. And they don't even do that anymore. And so, 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 so it used to be that people knew. But now, you have a church full of people. This is almost like a community schoolhouse. I mean, everybody in the world comes in here. And so, so a lot of times, people don't understand where the doctrines came from. Now, here's another thing that we're dealing with. Just because someone got filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean they don't still have their old doctrines. So that means in church, any given Sunday morning, we have a church full of Calvinists, don't even know what it is. Armenians, they don't even know what that is. And Pentecostals, they don't even know what that is. Catholics. Now, the only Catholics are the only one that know who they are. They don't know anything about the Bible, but they know they're a Catholic. I mean, they, they have, they've got the Hail Marys down and the, you know, and the, the, you know, the cross. They got that part down. But, they, but honestly, they don't know what they believe. And so I, I, I decided, what, why don't I start teaching some doctrine? One of the things that I did, I, I, I went home and I read John Wesley's book from cover to cover. I just had to find out when this guy got saved because he was a Lutheran minister for years before he ever got born again. And so I was, I was intrigued by that. Be, and, and so it just intrigued me to find out how I got saved, who led in the Lord, what he believed, because he, 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 he changed the world. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now, with all the love I can, if he came today, the Methodist church would kick him out. They wouldn't let him in it. So, <laughs> so he was a holiness. And so the holiness movement started with Methodists. Y'all didn't know that. And a Pentecostal is really a tongue-talking Methodist. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of doctrines that we've brought into the body of Christ that we've battled for years and nobody knew where they came from. You know, like, well, you know, all things were together for the good. That's Calvinism. You, but you didn't know that. I mean, it's like, 
it's, it's just in the church. And we've got people on TV that are tongue-talking Calvinists. That, you know, you never know what God's going to do. And so because of that, I thought, well, why don't I get in here and start talking about some of these doctrines because a lot of goofy stuff and good stuff is out there. So I'm going to do something tonight. I'm going to talk about the doctrine, are y'all ready? Of eternal security. Now, there's a reason I'm doing it. I'm not just up here because I want to look cute. I am cute. Well, actually, I'm smart. Lisa's pretty and I'm smart and together we're pretty smart. But anyway, so I'm not just doing this just to, because I haven't got anything else to do. I'm watching what I'm concerned about is a younger generation. I've watched people walk in this church, get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, on fire for God three or four months, and you don't see them again. And, and I'm going to say something that, you know, and... and, and that, you know, John Brevere wrote a, wrote a book on, on the fear of God. The church, and I'm not talking about this one, the church in America is losing a healthy fear of God. This is not a game. This, this is not, we're not playing a game. Satan's not playing a game with you. He'll kill you in a nanosecond. But, but because we don't have a healthy reverence, and, and there's another place, there's another reason that we have this problem. And let, now let me explain it to you. My generation, I, I just turned 66, thank you. Not 666, just 66. But my generation, I'm, we came out of the hippie movement. We went through so much hell, we love Jesus. But my kids and my grandkids have never had a bad day. Don't shout me down. I'm not talking about they ain't had a bad. I'm talking about, you know, they, they, they've never been chased through the woods by dogs and threatened to go. To, they've never, you know, and thank God they haven't. But you don't, but I, I, I appreciate grace because I understand sin. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, got it stolen and met Jesus. And so I have a great, great, great respect for the word. Now, I'm watching a younger generation that's coming up, been in church all their life, and it's kind of like, eh. Yeah, well, it's church. I might be there, I might not. And, I, and it concerns me because I, because of, now the doctrine of once saved, always saved, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not true. It's not, it's not true. Now, here, now why, would, why would I say that to you? Well, let's think about this. The denomination that, that promoted that says tongues is of the devil. God don't heal anymore. I'm certainly not going to go down that road with uh, once saved, always saved. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And all of that started with Calvinism that God kind of picks. He picked you and he didn't pick you. You can go to heaven, you're going to hell. And God said so. Now, the reason for that is that man has never understood why in his intellect, in his, in his intellect. Why would I preach the gospel and Angela comes forward and gets saved and Mike sits there and, and goes home and gets a beer and goes to hell and doesn't give a rip? And, and so what happened to the mindset, preachers started looking at people, not the word, and figuring, well, I, I mean, it, God, it must be God doing it. And, and because they have a doctrine that God runs everything, 
then naturally that would mean he's picking who gets saved. And he wouldn't pick Angela to get saved and then let her go to hell. So that's where that whole doctrine came from. And it's all just stupid. I know I hate to tell you that, but it's, it is. And it's not scriptural. I mean, whoever thought of it, you know, didn't, just, well, well, whenever it came up, there was a season in America where, where preachers did not understand spirit, soul, and body. That revelation changed the church. And everybody that's gotten a hold of it, Kenneth Hagin, Andrew Walmack, Kenyon, everybody that's ever gotten a hold of trichotomy or the spirit's own body, learned that a man is a spirit, he's righteous, but he lives in a body which is not and a soul that's got to be renewed. So that revelation began to explain to people why it is that you are instantly saved, but yet salvation is also a process. And so because of that, the average church member didn't, was either your salvation is instant or it's a process and nobody ever knew that both camps were really right. I'm doing better than y'all, amen. So having said that, I kind of wanted you guys to have at least some kind of a knowledge of the word of God. Where, where, where's all this stuff coming from? Because people come in here all the time and go, well, you know, what's the difference in all these churches? Well, they all started with a move of God, and man got in it and screwed it up. Every move of God, somebody grabs it and gets a hold of it, and a bunch of people try to control it, and the first person they run off is the Holy Ghost. Now, I had a book. I wished I'd have kept it. I, I hate loaning stuff to people. If I loaned you something, bring it back. You know, just. But I had a magazine put out by the Baptist of the Cane Ridge Revivals. Do you want to know what was going on in the Baptist revivals up in the mountains? People falling out in the power, laughing and getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that? Every revival that's ever hit the earth, every revival, people were drunk, people laughed, people cried. Wesley, during Wesley's revival, Methodist, early Methodist, he said to people, you know, if you're in a tree, get out. Because while I'm preaching, people fall out of trees. They, they just, they'd go in a saloon, start preaching, and people go, boom, boom. And the power of God come in, just the word of God, just preaching Jesus. And the Holy Ghost come in, and people go, boom, 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 start falling down all over the building. And then people start screaming and crying and laughing. And even the Baptist periodical that I was reading said, we have learned we can't control those among us who seem to be emotional. Because they're ignorant, unlearned people. You know what, a bunch of hicks up in the mountains. Falling out of wagons and getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. Well, that's because they're, ign they're ignorant mountain folk. Well, that's, so early on, you know, Pentecostals are always the ignorant folk. Because we don't want to run aisles, jump pews. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So, so, so having said that, the, the dignified people are the ones that had dead churches in town. I'm picking on somebody now. I'm, I'm stopped preaching. I'm messing around. Go to James chapter 1, and let's get started on eternal security. Um, now, y'all got to get excited with me because, it, you know, I, it, this is an exciting sermon, even though it's got a, it just has a terrible title. May, maybe I'll come up with a nicer title one time called Turn or Burn, something, something. Woke up in hell and found out it was too late to get right. I don't know. I did preach a sermon years ago called 
the first six days in hell, what it's like to die and find out you're wrong. <laughs> I had the Lord ask me the one time, he says, what do you think it's like to go to hell? And I said, why are you asking me? Y'all didn't get that. Don't, get, don't ask me. Go ask somebody else. Um, James 1, 12. Who says, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those that love him. Let no man say when he was tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, each man is tempted. He is tempted. You are tempted when you are drawn away by your desires enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's, bring, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my brother. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, from, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So I want to I I talk about the fact that there is a devil, and, and I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you because I want you, we're going to talk about where this idea of eternal security came from. So Hebrews 13.5, pop it up on the screen. I'm just going to, Hebrews 13.5, let's just read it off the screen. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things. For he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Is that true? Yes. Absolutely. Now, God said, I'm not leaving you. I, I, listen, no, the, the, we'll get into agape love in a minute. But one of the things that the word agape means is I will not forsake you. Amen. When someone loves another person, they're there for life. That's agape love. All the other loves fail, but agape love does not fail you. Now, having said that, he says, I'm going to take care of my end of it. Now, let's look at one more. Uh, Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this thing, he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Is that true? Absolutely. So whatever you've committed to God, don't worry about it. He's got it. You don't go through life worrying that your faith wasn't enough. Faith in Jesus is enough for you to make heaven and for the blessings of Abraham, right? Now, having said that, we also need to understand is that there is, you do have a free will. And, and let me help you with this. I told you all ago that Baptist and not, not all Baptists, but Bab the Baptists in America, early America, were primarily Calvinist, extreme Calvinism. Now, there's different branches of it. Extreme Calvinism says that, that um, God picks who gets saved. Now, where, where that started to be debunked is that, you know, if, if you want to get healed, you know, if it be that will, heal me. It's up to God. If it is your will, save me. Well, where Charles Finney uh, was a lawyer, and someone told him early America that if you want to have a good business, you need to be seen in the community as a Christian. So you need to go to church. So he went down to the first Presbyterian church in town and and tried to join the church. Well, one Sunday the preacher was preaching, and he came forward and said, "I want to get saved." And the man said, well, you got to go home and pray about it because we don't know whether you're one of the elect. Now, remember, we talked about this. We went through this whole, if I'm blowing your mind, go back and get last week's. Okay. So, so, so Finney said, now he's a lawyer. He's a heathen. 
He said this, and it's rightly true. If God picks and chooses who gets saved, he is an unjust God, and he's a liar. Now, this is a heathen talking. Heathens have more sense than some Christians. So Finney went home and read the Bible as a lawyer. It's a legal document. And he found grace in there. And in his house, he got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. He was drunk for days. He was drunk. He went back to the church and told him he got saved. And he started a big fight. Well, he gave up his lawyer business and started preaching the gospel and telling people, those guys down there, a bunch of liars, you can get saved anytime you by God want to. And he started a revival in America, but he argued his case like a lawyer. Yeah. All right. Since then, the Baptists have recanted, and that's where we have some called free will Baptists. What that means, they're Calvinists, but you can get saved if you want to. I'll come over here and preach. In other words, he still heals who he wants to and lets die who he wants to. But the salvation part, well, he, that, we, well, okay, we got that down. So, so that's, so, it, so Kenyon was a Methodist and he backslid. And then he became a free will Baptist until he got filled with the Holy Ghost and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, th so the, the Baptist church actually has split right down the middle over this issue. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. And I know I'm thrilling y'all to no end. Now, here's the, here's the problem with this. And I've actually had people walk in this church and make this statement to me. I, I'll preach on the devil. And they'll say, I've been in church all my life, and this is the first sermon I've ever heard in my life on the devil. Well, the reason for that is the devil is running the church you came from. He's not going to tell on himself. Right. Don't think he don't run churches. He's run churches. Now, not all of them, but you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm about half joking. The other half, I ain't joking. So, so there is a devil and he can't get it, God. So he's going to get it you. Now, now the only weapon he has is deceit. If he can get you to believe a lie, like I don't have to be in church every Sunday. What, what did he do in the garden? Did God say? Well, I, I, if I was you, I'd question that. You're going to find yourself entertaining thoughts during your life. I know I said it, but ah, man. Where do you think it's coming from? Well, you old Lucifer himself is talking to you. And don't, and don't feel bad. It's proof you're saved. Because he don't mess with heathen. He already got them. So, so he made a statement. See, all of us have to deal with the thoughts of, of our soul, of our mind. And Jesus said, you know the truth, and the truth has set you free. Well, what truth you don't know, Satan has you. And it's your, it's your fault you don't know it. To the degree you're taking the word serious. And there's Christians who are just kind of like, well, I'm saved. And that's really not a good, not a good position. 
Because what you're telling me is that you believe that doctrine and that, you know, it's just I'm saved and now I don't have to obey God. He loved me, but I don't have to love him back and et cetera, et cetera. And that's really not true. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? See, and, and a lot of times people don't even, they don't even want to talk about this because it's just not popular. It's just not cool. What'd y'all hear on Sunday, Wednesday? Well, we learned about people that were Christians that went to hell. Oh, that was a terrible sermon. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> First Timothy 4.13 Let's pop it up on the screen. Let's look. Am I bouncing around? Till I come, give attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. To what? Doctrine. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm making a statement here, and actually, I, 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 I'd like to kind of know, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody in here. I, I'm not. But I, I, I would just curious how many of you can actually open your Bible and prove what you believe? I would almost bet most Christians can't. Now, I don't know about in this church because, you know, and that would tell whether you're just sitting there listening or you're actually paying attention. And, I, and sometimes I don't want to know. I've asked people, where do you go to church? And they go, yours. And I go, no, you don't either. <laughs> Not if you're that ignorant. Go to 2 Timothy 4.3. Let's look at another one. For the time will come, no, no, listen to this, yeah, we're here now, well, they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, I mean, it's, like I said, it's just not a sexy word. See, now, now boy, help, just help me right now. Just, what churches are preaching is true. It's just not all of it. It's just not helping you. And it's gotten to where if I don't thrill you, you it was a bad service. Thrill me, thrill me, Pastor Darrell Morgan, please and thrill me, thrill me, tell me something I've never seen before. Don't give a rip whether you're growing in God or maturing or victorious. Just teach us some new deep truth we never heard before. And so I got to come in. I got to go out there and make up some wild sermon about David's rock and, and the stone in Goliath's forehead and, and how they made the timetable of God. And everybody go, wait, that was deep. It is really stupid. It help you a bit. All because we don't want to come to church and hear anybody ever preach on doctrine. You do if you want to grow up. If you want to please God, you care about doctrine. Okay. Amen. All right. All right. Look at, look at. Because they have itching ears. Well, you know what? I, I'm of. Now, I'm going to say something to y'all, and this, this, this might make you mad, but it's all right. There's a scripture somewhere. It's in my Bible. It may not be in yours. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you mad. Now, it wasn't in there, but I wrote it in. Mark Hankins made a statement. The Lord said something to him. 
He said, any time I have put you in a supernatural relationship, I'm going to tell the other man or woman of God, and you've got to go over there and get it. I'm not talking to you about that. Now, that's a heavy statement. There are things that the Lord showed me, and then he said, go to Ramah. In other words, I'm going to get it from, I'm going to get it from Brother Hagen, or I'm going to get it from um, Kenneth Copeland, or I'm going to get it from Kenyon. But he's, in other words, these are men of God that God put in the body of Christ to help train me. And now, now I'm going to make a statement. You know, we've, we've eliminated, we love everybody, but, what, but is there a person in your life you call him pastor? Yeah. I'm not your preacher. Don't look at me and tell me you leaving and going somewhere next week because, you know, listen, listen, you little backslidden thing. Get on your face and find out where your church is and you get faithful in it because there are things you'll never learn the longest day of your life unless you have a pastor speaking into your heart. He ain't talking to you about it. Now, now I know that y'all think that sounds self-serving and it's not. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the attitude we have today toward church is we can take it or leave it. Honey, you leave it, you're in a heap of trouble. God is not stupid. He did not put churches for you to replace it with somebody on television. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. You ready? Your coach of the football team is not your mama. And your mama ain't your coach. Now, you may love your coach and you may love your math teacher, but your mama is the one talking to you about your teeth, talking to you about your underwear, and talking to you about all the other stuff you don't want to talk about. So all the people on TV, they ain't talking about nobody's underwear. You come in here and I'll talk to you about your underwear, and you need to change your underwear. Now, now I must listen to me. I'm trying, I'm trying to help you to understand that I'm not a Bible school teacher. So there's things I'm going to say, you will never learn it anywhere. I don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. Then God's wrong and you're right and you've, got, you've already listened to the guy we're talking about. Now, don't, don't tell me he's not out there. He's out there. Anybody in here ever had the devil talk to him other than me? Okay, thank you. Well, what do you think he's trying to do? He comes to steal what? Kill and destroy All right, now you need to understand this and you need to have enough sense to know that if you're not walking in the word of God, then he's whipping you now. You whooped, you already whooped. He's going to divide and conquer. Once he pulls you away from the flock, you're down. Now, I I can't do it because, because, because it's unethical. It's not ethical. But I'd love to take a, a board and, and, and write all the people who used to come to this church today that are dead. That's fun. That was not necessary, folks. And we, and we got people that sit around and go, well, you know, no, no, no. No, let me tell you something. There's a secret place of the most high. Get in it and hide in it and get under Jesus. I didn't say under me. But if God puts you someplace, you get in there and you hang on. 
And, and, and listen, don't, don't think the devil's not going to start working on you. If you're here now, we got a list of you. I want to see you here in three months. I want to see you here in six months. I want to see you here in a year from today. Don't come up with this. I had a toothache. You sit in the doctor's office for 12 hours. You can't come here and sit for one. You help bless your darling heart. Matter of fact, you sit in church, you might get over your toothache. I don't know how I got off on all that. It ain't in my notes nowhere. All right, Galatians 5.16. Let's go, 5.16. <laughs> Say, what did he preach on? Underwear. All I remember, he said something about underwear. SpongeBob SquarePants, underoos. Now, I am going to tell on Chay and Ashley when they were younger, they had Wonder Woman underoos. I couldn't get them to wear any pants because they all wanted everybody to see their underoos. Said a lot of folks want everybody to see their underoos now. Galatians 5.16. <laughs> I say walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. That's a choice, isn't it? For your flesh, lust against your spirit and your spirit against your flesh. And these are contrary so you're not doing the things you wish. If you're a carnal Christian, your flesh is ruling. Yeah, it is. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. For the works of your flesh are evident. They're adultery. And, 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 and there's Christians who do that. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery is, witch, is witchcraft and it's, it's drug abuse. Okay. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, people screaming at each other at home when they close the door and think the neighbors can't hear you, even the dog runs. Selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, evils, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, as I told you in the time past, those, talk, and, I, and I think he's talking about the unsaved, who practice such things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified their flesh with his passions. Now listen to me. If you're a born again Christian, holiness should be a part of your life. If you're going to walk with God, you, you, you do something with your flesh. You do something with your flesh. Now I hope we get time to do it tonight. We're going to, well, I'm going to go over there whether we do or not. Instead of holiness, why don't we start majoring on the love of God? It's, it's, to me, I can handle loving God and loving people easier than I can handle be holy. Because be holy sort of has an attitude about it that you're supposed to look ugly and dress ugly and drive poor. And it just has that connotation and people kind of like, holy, uh, you know, you, you know, you want me to take my makeup off? Oh, God, no, please don't. Please. That would be a sin. Hebrews chapter 6. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I am just. <laughs> man, man, Hebrews, a New Testament old. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6. Now, now we, we, we need to take some scriptures serious. Um, so let's read verse one. Therefore, leaving the, the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Did you know the faith message is milk? I want to learn more about the faith of God. Well, I, I, I meditate on the faith of God every day, but it's milk of doctrine of baptisms 
of laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now he's talking about you losing your salvation. Now, now, now we're going to get into it. I'm going to show you in a minute. Baby Christians can't really do that. So that, that's why if, if you've, I, I have friends who have gotten born again and went right back into drugs. And I went to the house one day and I said, are you happy? He goes, I, I've never been more miserable. I said, well, it's proved you're still saved. And after, a, after years of just disobeying God and being discouraged and being rebellious, they got back right with God. Well, I think they were saved during that time. Now, you know, we could, we could argue or debate that. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not God. But I know people who have once walked with God and fell away, and I don't think they're saved. There's not a lot. It's not a lot of people. But it's not a game. Playing sin is deadly. So this is my way of saying this. If, uh, if I come over to your house... And, and I'm over there and you said, Pastor, come on over. We'd like to, you know, have you, you know, a piece of key lime pie and coffee. And then you look at me and say, uh, you know, the baby rattler is loose, but don't worry about it. We'll find it. I'm going to go, listen, let's just go on down to Perkins until you find this sucker. Well, you know, he's, no, no. I'm not sitting in your living room with a rattlesnake floating around in here somewhere, Maybe. Am I right? Am I, are y'all crazy? Rattle, rattlesnakes is not, that's not funny. You turn him loose, you find him. If you got sin in your life, get it out. Because it is deadly. The more you play with it, the harder your heart will become. You're going to get to the place where the word doesn't penetrate your, you used to hear a word and it would bother you and you'd repent. And then the ones of you that are in this room that have been in here for 15, 20, 30 years, you are more difficult to minister to than the babies. Because you've already got down the two, the two hymns, the two hers, the kumbaya, haradema, guma city, and then away we go home and shout and dance and run. And yet you're not doing what God told you to do. And because you think you've got 20 years in church, you've got seniority. And you might be the biggest heathen sitting in the building. Now, now if you think I'm lying, you might want to um, read uh, the book of Revelation where he says, you know, you've left your first love. And we might get into that in a minute. Are y'all, are y'all out there? Or you go home. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 10, 26. Let's go over there and read this one. For if you sin willfully, and what he's talking about is denying Jesus, after you've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who's rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And let's, let's back up here and explain something to you a minute. We love him because he first loved us, right? Amen. I want you to understand something. The next time, next Easter, I want you to look at the passion 
And when you're looking at that cross, I want you to understand that was your cross. This man came and took your place. Do you appreciate that? I'm going to say it again. Because it needs to show up in your life. This man took my place and went to hell for me. And you are blowing it off? You think that's a joke? You need to be in church whether the pastor's a jerk or not. Oh, I'm shouting good. This ain't, this ain't about personalities. Jesus took your place. This is between you and him. Don't, don't blame people for your walk with God. You, that, if, you re, if you appreciate it, if you're thankful for what he's did, it will affect you. You love him because he loves you. And when you stop loving him is when, see, all sin is rooted in selfishness. You have never sinned for nobody but yourself. You just don't know what they did to me. Well, I know your sins killed him and sent him to hell. What, what do you think about that? See, you, you don't, you're using the book on others you don't keep. You're, you're, you're using this. They lied to me. Well, you lie. Well, they stole. You're a thief. Well, they deceived me. Well, you're, you deceived. See, you, you don't have a leg to stand on. You were given mercy. So, so Christianity is you living a life of mercy. That's how come you can love one another. See, I can love you, not because you all that. He's all that. And because he did that for me, then I'm free from sin. And therefore, I can love you unconditionally. Just like he loves me, I can love you. So, so holiness and love are synonymous terms. But when you're not walking in love, you're walking in pride and you're just walking with the devil again. You know, 80% of the church is offended. 80%. 80%. Is mad at somebody. $18 sin. God forgave you of $10 billion and you got an $18 debt. They did, did this to me and I ain't never walking back down there in that church again. And they said that to me. <laughs> you ugly thing. Why don't you take them out and buy them something? And why don't you treat them the way Jesus treated you? Come on, I'm preaching better than you, amen. Now, this is, the, this is favorite, Satan's favorite song. Somebody done somebody wrong song. Folks, you take that song away from Nashville and the whole place would die. If it, wasn't for, if it wasn't for whining, there wouldn't be country music. There is one song I, read, I heard about a guy learning to drive a pickup truck. Who was that? Who was that? Who's the guy that... Jackson, Alan Jackson. I actually liked that. I heard that. I said, I, I like that song. And then that movie, Pure Country, that was pretty decent. That was decent. And he could sing. Excuse me. He could sign. 
All right, I'm in trouble. All right, what scripture will we go into? Hebrews 10. Okay. Verse 29, how much more punishment do you suppose will be counted worthy him who's trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant as a common thing? You, it's just common? This, your Christianity is just common? Oh, no, it better not be. All right, well, we've got to move on. Hebrews 12, 3, because I've got to get to the Mac Daddy. Hebrews 12, 3, consider him who dared such hostility from sinners against yourself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You have never resisted bloodshed striving against sin. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as son? My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Man, we could spend a month on this, but I know you wouldn't want to. My next sermon is, the, is God spanking people. Now I'm not going to do that because nobody show up. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves he chastened. Let, let me tell you something about kids. Don't ever ask your kid what they want to do. No child wants to go visit grandma. Unless she bakes cookies. But you know why your kids don't know their grandparents? Because you never taught them honor. Teach your kids to honor people. Honor their grandparents. Honor their parents. Ask anybody what they want to do. And don't ever ask them what they want to eat. Tell them this is the food you're going to eat. And if you don't eat it, put it in the refrigerator. You're having it for breakfast. Ask me when Justin slept in his peas one night and he had peas for breakfast the next morning. That's not cruel. That's why he lives for God today because his parents had enough sin. We didn't ask him what he wanted to eat. We told him what he wanted to eat. And we never asked him if he wanted to go to church. Oh, help me, Jesus. Anyway, I'm going to read again. Don't, I, I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. <laughs> Furthermore, we've had humans who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall not you much more readily be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For indeed, for a few days they chastened us, which seemed best for our profit, that we may be partakers of his what? Holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyous for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit and righteousness by those who have been trained by it. Therefore, talking to you and I, strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may be dislocated, but rather let it be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one is even going to see God. Woo See, you, you can, you got friends in your phone that you need to delete them. When I got saved, I got all the Playboys out. I haven't, we don't even have Cosmopolitan. We don't even have cleavage in the house. And I was on Facebook the other day and there's a little, young person on Facebook and, and she just loves taking selfies with cleavage. She just loves her cleavage. And I just looked at Lisa and I said, well, there goes another one. Delete. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You want to live holy? Get rid of all the cleavage. I don't, I don't have any immoral friends. Well, here's why. I preach Jesus to them and they leave. They get saved or they leave. 
Are you all out there? You, you, you got to make up your mind right now what, who you're going to run around with. Because if you're going to play on the bank, you're going in. Don't even play. Well, you can come to my house anytime you want to and go through all my movies and pull one out and take it home. There's not a drop of sex in anything I own. I, I wanted to buy the Band of Brothers and they got this scene. I didn't even buy it. I just, dad, and I don't even have Schindler's List. Well, boy, you're prudish. Yes, I am. Old fashioned, thank you. Well, that was a great documentary. I'm pretty sure it was. It's how I found out how to stay out of trouble. I found out where the mind goes, the man really does follow. And my mind don't go down no gutter, so I don't ever climb in one. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how to, how to keep from having sex with, with another woman. Say out loud, she has a disease. I mean, that's just enough to scare you and just leave. You just. <laughs> it's been working for years now. It works. She has a disease. <laughs> Somehow or another, they don't look so pretty when they got herpes. You know, they just don't. <laughs> whatever, whatever works for you. <laughs> Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How are you going to fall short of the grace of God if you can't? You most certainly can. Lest a root of bitterness. Now, I'm going to go on record to say most Christians fall away from God because of bitterness. Somebody does you wrong. Forgive them. Now, I've been bit by it. I'm going to tell you something. It is, it feels good to your flesh to be ticked. And you feel so righteous. You sorry dog. You sorry dog. You, it feels good. But I'm going to tell you something. It will get in you and it will defile you. And your love for God will diminish. Every Christian I have ever seen in my life that got in sex sense. I don't know, maybe others, but I'm telling you me. I've never seen one person get into sex sin that didn't get bitter first. Woman come home, see her husband looking at porn. Next thing you know, she's out there sleeping around. It's bitterness. It's deadly. When you, when you, listen, the only way I know to deal with it is you, you take it to God, you pray about it, you give it to God, you forgive him, and you walk away. Now, let's get over one more thing. This whole thing, it takes two to tango. It's always both of their fault. No, it's not. In the garden, was it God and Adam's fault? Or just Adam's? What did God do wrong? When the angels fell, 
God and the angels fault. Both of them failed here in this. God, well, you know, it wasn't AC'd enough. The music wasn't all that good, you know. No, no, no. You're, you're sinning because you want to and blaming someone else. Listen, you, you, can, you can be a righteous wife or husband and still have a spouse walk. And the devil beats you up the rest of your life. It's your fault. It was my fault. Probably not. And for you to say that is like, well, you arrogant thing. No, it wasn't my fault at all. I'm, I didn't say I was perfect, but I'll guarantee you, did everything in my power to keep it. But, but, but it didn't work. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, that's freeing. Verse 16, lest there be a fornicator or a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birth, birthright. All right. Um, wow, wow, wow. Hebrews. I, I want to read something. How, what, how, what, ooh, ooh, ooh. I got to go. Page 98. This, there's a book right here by Kenneth Hagin, and, and I, I, almost hate, I almost hate to read to y'all because I don't want you to come and go, oh, he just opened up and read a book all night long. He didn't preach at all. He just read a book. But here's another book. Um, the Triumphant Church on Demons and Devils. This is the book where, where Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin and taught him about demons. And he's telling him a story about a pastor's wife who divorced her husband and fell away. And she ended up dying and going to hell. Now, Jesus is narrating this because you remember Brother Hagin was Baptist. He didn't, he didn't believe that you could do that when Jesus appeared to him and told him that you can. And he even told Jesus, I'm not going to take it. I don't care if you're sitting there. I'm not going to take it until you give me scripture. So I'm going to try to read a little bit of this. It says, Jesus said, I'm going to show you exactly how demons and evil spirits get a hold of people and dominate them and possess them, even Christians. Now, he's not talking about Christians being possessed, but Christians being oppressed. If you're a born-again Christian, you can't be possessed. If you are, you're spiritually dead. Jesus talked to me for some time about the gift of discerning spirits. One of the things he said to me, that discerning spirits, supernatural insight in the realm of spirits, not discernment. Then still enveloped in the cloud of glory, Jesus opened the realm of the spirit to me and I began seeing the realm. I saw a woman and Jesus began to narrate the following scene. I saw, all, I saw the scene in action as it unfolded. And Jesus said, for instance, this woman was a child of mine and she was in the ministry with her husband and had a beautiful singing voice. And in the vision, I recognized the woman. I knew who she was. I did not know her personally. I knew she left her husband. It was the pastor of the church, of the church she was preaching in right there. And the Lord said, this woman was my servant. Her husband was a pastor and she was in ministry with him. And the devil came and, and said, you're a beautiful woman and you've been cheated in life. All right. Remember I said a while ago that all sin is selfishness. If Satan has an inroad into you, it's because you have a, someone owes me. I don't know why God brought me to this church. I'm better than that. No, you're not either. Right. You're a heathen heading to hell and you ought to thank God you have a church at all. Yeah. See, pride always comes before a fall. Yeah. Everything you have was given to you by God. Yeah. You're really, outside of Jesus, you really are not that hot. Right. And nobody owes you anything. Amen. <laughs> so here's a woman 
beautiful singing voice. Who gave that to her? And she thought, well, I've been cheated in life. At first, she resisted the devil. Then later, she got to entertaining the thoughts. Satan can't do anything unless you're entertaining his thoughts. When you lose your peace and you lose your joy, you're backslidden. You're playing with the devil. So if you come to church and you're sitting there, you're out of fellowship with God. Oh, I'm not out of fellowship with God. Well, you're double out of fellowship with God. Now you're full of pride. Somewhere he got in your head. Somewhere he's in your head talking to you. That doesn't mean, but oppression and depression comes from Satan. You have to go back to who you are in Christ, and then you have to resist him. Satan, shut up in the name of Jesus. Love is patient. Love is kind. It hardly notices when others do it wrong, so I don't notice. Now shut up. And if you keep it up, I'm going to go out and buy them something if you keep bothering me. See, you, you've got to get full of God, and you've got to get full of love. If God is for you, who can be against you? You don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say this, don't get mad at me. What other people do is none of your business. You don't know why they're where they are, and you don't know why they're doing it, so shut up, be quiet, don't talk about it, and don't bring it to the prayer meeting and call it prayer. Oh, that's right. I don't know that anybody brings it up. I'm just, as long as I know they have a great prayer meeting. But in many churches, that's exactly the center of all of the junk that goes on in church, prayer meeting. And we need to pray about, sister so-and-so, have you heard? No, tell us. <laughs> he said, this woman knew the devil was speaking the thoughts to her. And she said, Satan, get behind me. And I saw a little demon jump run off. But Jesus kept narrating, by and by the devil came back. Don't tell me he ain't coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I never had nobody buy me no beer until after I got saved. And I never could catch no woman until after I got saved. <laughs> I found the secret to getting a woman, get saved. And the devil will bring them to you. Jesus said that when the woman began to, to, to think Satan's thought and follow Satan's suggestion, she began obsessed with that kind of thinking. Now, anytime that you're dealing with fear, you entertain, you're entertaining a devil. God didn't give, a, give you a spirit. Fear is a spirit. You're, fear is contraband to you. Well, I was afraid. Well, resist it. I'm not talking about the fact that you didn't want to climb up on the mountain and swing, you know, by, by your toes. I'm talking about just natural things that you go, oh, I was so afraid. Well, get walking with God and you won't be. Now, I've got five minutes left. I want to do one more thing. I won't, get able, I won't be able to do this tonight. But Romans 13, 8, pop it on the screen. Love is the, fulfills the law. I want to read this. Owe no one anything except to love one another. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. How would you like to know how to live perfectly holy? We have three of you. Thank you. Amen. How about the rest of y'all? Yes. I have, I have, I do this every, about every six months. I get on a love bend because I read it and go, oh shoot, I'm not doing so good. <laughs> but I know that if I want to please God, 
He needs to see something in me that I'm doing something to please him. You understand? All right, I'm going to read to you. Rick Renner, this is in Sparkling Gems um, Greek. This is probably the best definition of love I have ever heard in my entire life. I have stated that in the previous gems, agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, and appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing him to behold this object or person in great esteem, awe and admiration, wonder and sincere appreciation. Such, such great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or person he is beholding that he is compelled to love. In fact, his love for that person or object is so strong, it's irresistible. That kind of love knows no limits, no boundaries in how far, how wide, how high, and how deep it will go to show love to the recipient. If necessary, agape will even sacrifice itself for the sake of the object or person it cherishes deeply. Agape, therefore, is the highest, finest, most noble, most fervent form of love. That's powerful, isn't it? I've never in my life, when I read that, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have someone type that up and put that, I got a little thing, I can read it every day. But when God made this statement, Jesus makes this statement in the book of Revelation. He says to the church, you've left your love the first one. Mm -hmm. Now, something that Lisa and I do, we've been married 30 years. We still date. Mm -hmm. I still listen for what she wants. I still pay attention to what she's doing and make sure that she understands I love her fervently, not because she's perfect, but because I've chosen to love her. God loves you because he's loved, not because you're lovely. But because he loved you fervently and even paid your debt, he's looking for a response from you. Just like I'm looking for a response from Lisa. I'm not doing it, but I do want her to notice I love you. I'm there for you. You call me and I'm off someplace on the other side of the United States. Say, come home. I'm leaving, coming home. There's no request you're going to make of me. I'm going to keep this covenant. Now, if God so loved us, can we not then love him? Agape is the answer to the holiness issue. And you've got to study it. It's patient. It hardly notices when others do it wrong. I mean, it hardly, no, it keeps, you have no record. You have no paper with people's faults on it anywhere. Can you do it? Yeah, you can. Not because you, they deserve it, but the Lord deserves it. He said, if you love me, love, love my family. The way God knows you love him is the way we treat each other. You can't love God and not love what he loves, which is people. Boy, I'm doing pretty good. Now, love does no ill to his neighbor. None. Not a drop. You just stopped sinning. You're not going to lie. You're not going to steal. You're not going to commit adultery even in your mind. Now, I'm going to say something about adultery. 
I don't know why anybody needs more than one. I don't know how any man can handle more than one. God is the more than enough, and Lisa is El Shaddai, more than enough. She's all I need on steroids. Couldn't even think of having another one like her around. <laughs> That's good. Are y'all seeing this? Now, if you love God, you're going to love, when you, oh boy, we have, you got to come back next Wednesday. <laughs> the re There's a scripture in 1 John that says, perfect love drives out fear. When you're rooted in how much he loves you. Easiest thing in the world, love people. You're like, yeah, you don't like me? Oh, I love you. It don't matter whether you like me or not. It don't matter. God loves me. I'm, oh, my God, he loves me. You're so secure. You're not falling apart. You're not going to hell when you die. You're going to heaven. And if God is for me, he answers your prayers. And so you're rooted in love. And, and that's, I don't know any other way to do it. Are y'all getting this? So, so I've kind of come around circle. I tried to get on the love thing for the ones of you that were sitting here going, Oh, God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I don't want you to leave fearful because it is possible for you to walk away from God. I don't want you to leave fearful. Just don't. I like something Andrew Womack said. It, if you're going to backslide that bad, it's going to take you a long time. Don't begin. <laughs> Wherever you are now, fix it now. Don't wait five years from now thinking you got this thing under wraps. Don't keep playing. If you got the porno on, the, on your computer, don't tell anybody. Go home and take it off. If you're lying, quit. If you're mad at someone, go home and pray until you get it right and buy them something and do something nice for them. Are y'all listening? You, you stay in the love of God. You stay there. You, if you do this every day, he'll keep you. Just the word will keep you. Is this helping y'all? If you pray in the Holy Ghost every day, I guarantee you ain't going out and sinning. If you are, you're a miserable human being. Just go home praying the Holy Ghost some more until you get over it. Amen? So what did y'all learn tonight? You learned about underwear. Amen. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love life. Isn't God good? Don't live in fear that you're going to lose your salvation. There's the, the mental institution is full of people who the devil told them they've lost your salvation. If you're still concerned about what God thinks, you haven't lost your salvation. I'm going to tell you how you know. You, you don't care. You're gone. That's, <laughs> You're, that's scary. Uh -huh. Amen. Father God, I um, came here tonight, did the absolute. Oh, you got thing. You got something you want to do, and I forgot all about you. you come on up here, Jeannie. Let me pray before you go. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy on this night. And I pray that everybody in this room, and I pray that we'd, we'd return to a real strong, healthy reverence for God and the things of God and loving you. And, and have enough sense to know that the devil's out there and not to play with him. And I thank you that we, that we walked out of here tonight learning that. 
in Jesus' name. Jeannie, go ahead. Where's your mic? Grab that mic right there. She texts me today and says, I need to say something tonight. And I don't forgot all about her. It ain't that I don't love you. Because I do. There you go. So Saturday, we had kids club. And after kids club, we had sandwiches left over. And usually I give out extra sandwiches in the park where I live. But God had a different plan that day. So I went downtown looking for the homeless to give them sandwiches. I don't normally go out feeding the homeless. So I was talking to the Holy Spirit and I said, please, Lord, you know, show me where they are. So meanwhile, I was turning around the parking lot at the First Baptist Church downtown. I called Shirley. She said Tim would know where the homeless are near the furniture store. So before going to the furniture store, I drove downtown. I was led to go in back at McDonald's across the street. There's like a little park. And there were several homeless people sitting in the park. So I passed out sandwiches there. Tim has a man called Mike that works with him and is familiar with the homeless in that area. So we took the pan of sandwiches, went across the street. It was in between two churches. There was like a grassy area and there were some homeless people. So I started to give out sandwiches and ask people if they were ready to go to heaven. I prayed with a lady in a wheelchair for salvation and healing. She had a, like a cast on her arm and also for the man she was with. The man's name is Manuel. He repented before the Lord and the Holy Ghost came all over him. I spoke by the word that whatever he was doing that was not pleasing to God to stop it. The Lord had me share um, the story um, in John 8 about the woman, um, you know, that they were going to throw stones at her. And, um, and I told him, you're forgiven. He was, and he just began to weep. And he said that I was supposed to have come by that day. Another black man, he got delivered from a demon. He was hungry for the sandwich. He was standing there. He was shaking, you know. And he prayed with me to get saved. So altogether, five people got ministered to. Four got saved. And the next day after church, I heard through a friend that Manuel and his girlfriend, Sue Ann, got run over by a car Saturday night. Manuel was killed, and Sue Ann is in the hospital. Critical condition. They both attended First Baptist downtown Apopka. It definitely was not in my plan to go downtown and do what I did on Saturday. But God, I want, wanted to encourage you tonight to not take lightly what God wants to do in your life. Someone made it to heaven that day because I was in the right place at the right time. That's close, isn't it? Got born again and got killed that night. I bet he was a happy guy. Like, ooh, that was close. Isn't God good? Well, I love you. Thank you guys for coming to church. I appreciate you. I preach this tonight because of this reason. We got a younger generation come up. They don't know. They don't know. The, they've not been through what we've been through. They don't know this. It's going to take us to look at them and explain to them that walking with God is... It, it's, it's a commitment, but it's, 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 you need it. This is not a game. This is not, this is, you're not playing. Um, I don't know any other way for them to learn it, but the hard way, that's not good. Amen? So they need us. They, they need, if you're an adult and you've got younger kids, don't feel like you're an old nag. Go ahead and nag. You get them in church. You teach them right from wrong. You teach them who they are in Christ, what belongs to them. 
Make them obey God. And, uh, when, and then let them get older. But listen, uh, th they'll love you. They'll love you for it when you get older. But this generation of people are just getting very loose, and that concerns me. Anyway, amen. God bless everyone. I'll see you back here Sunday morning. Have a great day. You people that are visitors, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.